be really awesome if there was a techno remix of this, like there was with the 1.21 gigabytes. Oh it sounds like they're trying to go back to Oz. It's like the Munchkins. Rough to see the wizard. Oh, their voices are getting weird. I don't think I've ever seen this movie. <laughs> oh my god. You call yourself a paranormal person. Are we going to be talking about exorcisms tonight? Or are we talking about... Well, we already did exorcisms, but... This might be... Related. This might tie its way in. Oh yeah. We're all over the board. Demonologists! It's a... Demonologist. It's a demonologist kind of night. It might be. It's Here at definitely. the Parababble Studios. Isn't it always, though? Well, that is true. It's somewhere in the night we're going to find a demon. I'll just... And the power of Christ will compel you. It is compelling. It is. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, here we go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, well, you know. Just do it. <laughs> Get some help from the big guy. <laughs> I have my holy water right here. <laughs> Hello everyone out there in Babbleland. We are here for another fun Halloween edition. Halloweeny. Halloweenies. Yeah. Okay, Rob is full of life tonight. I can see it. Do we have to carry the show, Allie? I think we do. All right. I don't know, Jeff. I mean... Well, that's not good because I'm the only one that has research here. Well, you know what, Rob? Right? We have research, Right too. here. It's in our heads. It's in our heads. Right. See, Jeff and I are just on the same page. We both did I that. just have to write it down because I'm old enough. Forget it. Oh, well, this God. is true. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, you'll leave the show to us and when you retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Next week. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. you have your birthday, and you can't talk when you eat your cake. That's right. If any of you guys were following us from the previous episode. I'll have to remember that. If you leave the show, I'll cry. Can I have your headphones? <laughs> you can, but they're really messed up. They're like fading and stuff. They leave black specks all over my ears. And if I had hair, it'd be in my hair. None of us can leave ever because then we wouldn't be the paranormal super trio. No. We'd just be the paranormal... People. Duo. Yeah, duo. it just doesn't work without all three. I mean, as people have heard from the me and Jeff only episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the only people who listen to that episode is us. Or are you editing it? <laughs> No. No, I don't listen to it when I edit it. You don't even listen to it, huh? No. It is kind of nice, though, when the three of us are together. It's like the Holy Trinity. Oh, wait. We need to mark a date. Did you just go there? I did. Isn't the Holy Trinity like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman? religious? Right. Exactly. you went there. I thought you were going religious on me. I was going to have to get weird. No. Are you kidding? (laughs) That's what I said. The Holy Holy Trinity. It's not over. Oh, man. I kind of like it, though. You know, because I said the Holy Trinity. Like, I like where Rob went with it. But we're talking about tonight the, probably the most famous demonologists of all time. Any guesses? Um, Bueller? Bueller? Ryan Bueller? No. Not that Bueller. Oh. <laughs> what you said? I heard the demons from jail. <laughs> Should we get this off our plate? Oh, God. Do we have to? I mean, he is kind of related to who we're going to be talking about. And, and you are a big fan. I am, and I'm kind of sad to see what's happened. Because it's really not a paranormal thing. No. Well, maybe though. there are people out there that think he has an attachment, and that's why he's going through everything he's going through. When we have any type of addiction, if that is the case, is there an attachment? Is there something negative upon us that's holding us there? I don't believe in that crap, but there are plenty of people out there that do. 
Like, I think you manifest your own destiny. Like, you know, I quit smoking. It wasn't because I had a demon before that. But did you? No, I liked to smoke. (laughs) (laughs) It was enjoyable to me. And then I got really sick and I was like, I should not do this anymore. It's really expensive. So I quit. Nobody came and exercised my demon. You did. The power of Christ did not compel me to stop smoking. You did. Yeah, my own self. What kind of exercises do the demons do? I feel a joke in here. What kind? <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> we were waiting for the big delivery. Some kind of like, you know, I don't know. I'll think of one. I'll think of one. Pitchfork <laughs> events. <laughs> the pitchfork throwing contests. <laughs> and now, who can hit? <laughs> I feel like you just ate a Laffy Taffy and only read half the joke. Right. <laughs> the helliptical. They, they work Hellipticals? Out. They work out on the helliptical. Helliptical. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> That's bad. That's a whole new level of bad. If only we knew some demonologists that could come and solve the problem. You mean like Ed and Lorraine Warren? Oh, there it is. Yeah. So, you know, just to button up the whole Ryan Bueller thing, you know. Sad. It is really sad. Anytime someone gets into that right. scenario. Whatever he's going through, you know, it's it's sad to see. And hopefully that works out for him. Hopefully. So. Yep. And just for, I am a fan of... The show, Paranormal State. I've it's seen the it. only show I've ever really been a fan of. You actually own the box set, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have the book, too. I mean, I, you know, I liked the theatrics of the show. I thought it was good. Dark. Yep. They made it dark. They didn't make it all bubblegum, chewy. Yeah. And it wasn't like, go to a location, do an investigation. Go to a location, do an investigation. I like that it had a backstory to it every time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Plus, it's where I got my first introduction to really... The champion of the world, Miss Lorraine Warren. There you go. There's the time. Yeah. I mean, when I first saw her on Paranormal State, and there was this little, tiny, petite woman coming in and talking about the demons. It's compelling. It's compelling. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't help oh. it. It was right there. I had to grab it. Um, and you did. <laughs> but I think, like... Her in itself, like, made that show better. And Chip Coffee made that show better. You know, just, like, the different people that were brought in. You know, I think on some of the other shows, it's the same people all the time. Right. This was, that show was definitely its own breed. Yeah. And it came at its own angle. And r- rightly so, they admitted they had no idea what they were doing. hmm They were a group of people who were interested in it, and they went out there. Yeah, I mean. And just put it together. You know, anybody that's going to put ping pong balls on their eyeballs. <laughs> Sit in a red room. You gotta, you gotta think. You know, <laughs> hey, at least they're going for it. <laughs> they did. But what were they going for? <laughs> Demons. Uh, yeah, that's okay, yeah. You're right. They, but they were. anyway, that's what it always came back to. Hope Ryan gets well. Yeah, and gets and back on his feet. Don't give him any money, people. No, no. Give no, money no. to a good charity that's going to help people with problems. Parababble. Yeah, we got some problems. You can help us out. Yep. We don't know where we're going to go with this topic. No. <laughs> and it's a great start. Well, can we just talk a little bit about, like, you know, who Ed and Lorraine Warren are to the paranormal community? Absolutely, because they are a pretty big figure in the, the theatrics of everything. Uh, yeah. Literally. Uh-huh. Literally. Uh, I mean, they're kind of big deals. They've been big deals for a long time. And we refer to them a lot. And it's kind of nice to see, like, with the with the movies that have come out, you know, Annabelle, The Conjuring, Conjuring 2, you know, that they're starting to get some credit for a new generation of people that might not have known about them. Never looked at it that way, but that is really mm-hmm. a, a way to 
kind of carry on their legacy, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you have to give them credit, you know, without their documentation of certain cases and their, you know, TV specials and the things that they did. I mean, that helped to push the field along. I just mean, they like, did that for the love of it, too. Right. Just like we've talked about, you know, the Ghost Hunters and their TV show and that influence. I think, you know, if you're going to talk about how this field evolved, you can't not have a conversation about them. This is true. Because now, they're... Whether or not they're, you know, they're full of crap or not. Well, I was just going to say, whether, whether if you take the big ball right. and you slice, or I should say the big, the, the big pie there and put slices into it and you kind of put together, you know, you have your Hans Holzers, you have your Ed, Ed and Lorraine, I mean, and then you have Ghost Hunters kicking in. I mean, there's all different types of pieces that make it, is, make it what it is today. And that new generation with Ed and Lorraine are, are going to learn. They might think that story is like, ah, oh, but... If someone gets interested in this and they research this, they're going to see this stuff, you know, goes back to the 70s. They've been doing that for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that there's definitely some legitimacy to some of the stuff that they've done. But my my biggest concern with looking at them now is that, okay, so we've all been ghost hunting for a number of years. Mm -hmm. We've investigated a lot of places. You don't see the kind of activity that they saw in the 60s and 70s anymore why i don't know why that's what i'm saying like if it was so prevalent why did it just drop off and not happen anymore like you might get called to a house you know they might have some stuff happening but when the warrens were going into places i mean people were being thrown around houses chairs were piling up in corners cabinets flying open i mean it was some serious hardcore activity happening yeah i mean look at the conjuring movies right both of them both of them but you make a point too, going back. Why was it so active and mm-hmm. hot at that point, and everything was like that? And it died off, and then it came back in the two thousands. But since the beginning of time, there's always been ghosts, demons, goblins, angels, and people are seeing this, and things are happening. But was it not? It was no reports to it. I mean, all we had was physical writings of what was happening. And as the centuries went by, did this become a bigger phenomenon did the spirits pull over to this side of the veil more you know i I, it's like i just had a conversation with a fellow ghost hunter about um why the activity now seems to be getting bigger well and it's crazy too because when you really put that in perspective you have people that are having all this activity and everything is very religious focused you know like everything is angels demons you know the devil right 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 that's the influence the the oppression, the infestation, you know, I think like that was pretty much like the Warrens coined those kind of terms through, you know, the different cases, research, research cases that they did and things like that. So has it died off because people are less religious now? No. I mean, I don't know. This well, is like the least amount of religiousness that has ever happened. Millennials are like this new generation that people don't go to church on Sundays anymore. They right, it's a whole nother school. Right, like they think, you know, yeah, differently about higher powers. If you if you hear, you know, anything from the, like, real exorcists, like, remember Father Pedro, the exorcist from Did our Did you just try episode? to say that Father Pedro is a real exorcist? Yeah, he was the one that I was <laughs> quoting from the, uh, during our demon episode. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, the Catholic Church, if you listen to what they say, you know, anyone who is not religious like that, though, is opening themselves wide open. So, if anything, by their way of thinking... There should be a lot more of that stuff right. going on. Right, like this should be happening all the time, and it's not, happening less and less. 
But I just read an article today that the Catholic Church is in serious demand. Or they need, I should say, they need people to step in, demonologists to go in and help with exorcisms because it is so out of control these days. They cannot handle the caseloads that are going there. But then why don't you hear about these cases? I don't know. That's what doesn't make any sense It doesn't to me. make any sense. Now I mean, in like days of YouTube, Snapchat, Periscope, Everything Facebook, is recorded. Twitter. Right. I mean, if you were really in need of so much help and you couldn't get a priest to come out, wouldn't you be putting that crap up on, on YouTube, like pleading for help from someone? Wouldn't you be doing something like, this is what's happening to us? I have a different view on that because Catholic Church like to keep everything in and keep everything a big secret and don't look behind the curtain kind of or crap. Or do you think they just tell that because they're trying to grow the church again because the church has diminished so much? Would I want to go to the church if I knew there was exorcism that needed to be done everywhere? Yeah, you would. Don't lie. Well, I <laughs> would. Be all be, that's cool. You'd be We're... like, this is so compelling. <laughs> <laughs> this is so compelling. I'm going to see how many times <laughs> I can get it powering, in tonight. Powering. <laughs> So yeah, you, like you said, you know, it's a, it's you would you think that you would see more of it. You'd think so, but in our line of work and what we do, we know that ghost hunting has gone back underground. Right. We got one remaining ghost show right now, maybe two, two. I'll say. Oh, they're always popping up more. Yeah. But they're not. It's not like you're catching them Tuesday, Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays anymore. It's like twice a week, if that. I mean, so the shows are underground. The hunting aspect is underground, we feel, right? That it's kind of back to where, hey, you got to go find your work. You're not, in the, you're not in the eye anymore. Yeah, unless you're out there making money at it. Um, <laughs> there's really not, Yeah, there's really not too much going on. So maybe we're just not, maybe it's still going on, but the fad has stopped. Could it have been a fad that we just went through for the last 12 Which years? Which is possible, but when you think about it, I mean, the Warrens stopped... Handling like serious cases in what the eighties? Yes. Okay. So, where have all the serious cases happened since then? They had so many. Right. They, were known for. they had one like every month. They had numerous cases at a time. They were working. No, I know they claim that there was a lot more that didn't lead to anything, but mm-hmm. just to have one case like that, it would be insane. If our group was to get one. Exactly, that'd be insane. In as many years as we've been together, right? That would be a highlight, and that would be like, okay, I can retire because that never happens. It's like one in a hundred, one in a million that you stumble into a true case, and these guys were handling it. You know, every other day they're getting right. new cases thrown out. But I would imagine that take out like fifty, forty percent of that is BS. People just being either mental or notoriety wanted to come into play and certain things like that yeah i think that was definitely one of them i think the amityville house started that well that's that's what makes me nervous about really putting a lot of stock into everything because you hear about these really famous cases like you know borley rectory amityville annabelle like all these like serious Mm -hmm. things and then as you i think as more and more information starts to surface there's more and more proof that maybe those things didn't actually happen. Or maybe the claims were ridiculously exaggerated. Or maybe it was just a hoax altogether. I know they definitely were with Amityville. Well, a lot of it. So what makes you say that? Well, there was a documentary that came out not too long, a couple years ago. I think it was called My Amityville Horror. And it followed around one of the Files, was it, or something like that? So for anybody that doesn't know about the Amityville case, I mean, if there's a single person in the world that doesn't know... Basically, it's a family, moves into a house. 
previous owner, the previous family that lived there, the DeFeos, there, I think it was the oldest son, Ronald DeFeo, killed them all one night in their sleep with a shotgun, which is insane. The fact that he was able to go, because they were all found laying on their stomachs in their bed, shot with a shotgun. So I don't know how that, how do you, like, you would wake up, shoot the first one. Okay, you get the first one. That's going to wake up with the rest of the family. Some of them were in the same room. The kids shared the room. Uh, his mom and dad were in the same bed in the same room. I'd be curious. So that I, was weird. Something to watch on. I have two, th- two things uh, to go here with. I'd be curious to rewatch that episode or files or dig into a little further to see when those people were shot. You're saying one got shot. Them blasts would have to be like bang, 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 bang. Well, if he shot those other people, they would be awake. Those gunshots in a house would be loud. They would get up. Did he put the bodies back down in the way that the the uh, the body ended up being versus the blood splatter or the stains? Did it match up to like someone sleeping on their back, or did he have to physically put them down and put them back in a bed? Because I, I would be running. I think if the bodies were physically moved, like if somebody got up and started running and he shot them, and put the body else, back I think on the they bed, they would have been able to figure I that, that out. That would pretty obvious. He drug them somehow. Yeah. Yeah. He drugged them So all. they really didn't move when the shots went off. Right. Okay. Now. So that happens. Yep. So they, they clear out the house. year later. One year later. The Lutz family moves in. The poor unsuspecting Lutz family. Maybe not quite as unsuspecting as you think. What? <laughs> I detect. Uh, Another well, level. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen the documentary. I didn't know I was going to talk about it, but I am. So... I think it was called Miamiville Horror, and it follows around one of the sons who was a kid back then, and he, I mean, he's definitely got some issues from everything, and the things that he says about George Lutz, the father, definitely leads me to believe that he did that completely with the intention of getting all the attention and fame from it, because apparently he was into the supernatural before he even bought the house. So he went in knowing. He was abusive, too, and yeah. Right. So they do, made it all up. So they made it all up. So do Ed and Lorraine Warren go in and make it worse because they're bringing stuff in with them? Or do they go in knowing that it's a hoax and they're well, doing the time, what they can to perpetuate it? By the time they got in, the Lutz family had already moved out because they were only there a month. So I don't know. I mean, it's you got to wonder, is it, you know... Them looking for the fame themselves? Are they just not quite sure what they're doing? Or are they bringing something? Well, this goes back to that two-pointer that I had. Let's step one Mm -hmm. little step back here. You said when we go to cases, or when you go to cases, you know, you have to really file through what's real. What, when you, like, um, we had the case with the computer and the pills. I won't go any further. (laughs) But... All that kept coming to us, and you kept you kept us in the loop, and this is what's going on, and every day it was something new, and it was getting bigger, the uh, accusations of everything that was going on in that that home. We were like, holy shit. But you ha- I think you have to go into some of these places going, okay, this is actually happening. And as you go through it, and you go through the process and break down the steps, you start to eliminate what's real, what's not real. We all, I think dive down that hole to figure it out and hopefully we can come to the end of it. So like with Ed and Lorraine going in there, 
did they bring anything in or are they, is it the possibility that they have to do the, It's the same process. Right. However you do this, the same process. You go in there and you have to go through a series of steps. And that's how we as uh, investigators take it apart. So I think there's a little bit of going into these cases. You have to believe what's out there. Because there are plenty of cases out there where there's some just weird shit going on that you just cannot put together. So for us to walk in there and say, yeah, it's just weird shit. No, you got to go in there with an open mind. You have to accept it. But as humans, we already start to take it apart. Well, what's weird, though, is if you read any of the case studies from the Warrens, there's always something that happens to them before they get to a location. It's almost like a precursor. Like they know something bad is going to be there. And if you watch the two Conjuring movies, you'll see that, too. Do you? Because I haven't oh, seen yeah. the second one. I've only seen the first one. But, I mean, I've read a bunch of stuff about their you know, various cases that they worked. And there's always something. Whether it's a black mass that shows up in their house two days before they get a phone call. Or they're driving down the street and their car fails. Or, you know, there's always something. You guys went on an investigation. That wasn't part of this yet. But you guys went on an investigation. And each one of you that went out there all had something happen the day or two days before you went to this location. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right there is, you and know. some of and we some of us didn't even know that we were going to be going there when the things started happening because it was like a last minute thing. So right there is the proof in the pudding that things like that's that true. Can... But you look at how long we've been doing these things, and that's the one time that that's ever happened. And even even as crazy as that investigation was, it's not like any of us got possessed or being flown around the house or anything like that. No, but just the fact that you guys had something going on that got by your radar. Almost in a sense, and you knew this location yeah. was a pretty heavy hitter. You would think that, okay, you look at Ed and Lorraine. You know, Conjuring Two was a perfect example. You know, she had visions, and she wanted Ed to stop after this and stop. Well, we got to help out this one more family. You know, it's the Edenfield case. We have to help this family out, and she's like, "This is there's bad things. I'm seeing bad things. I'm getting intuition signs, whatever." You know, it happened to you guys, not at that level. So, you know, I think, I think there is yeah, some realism I'm, to it. I'm not saying that it's impossible. And I do think that Lorraine Warren is legit when it comes to her abilities. abilities. Yeah, I do. I'm not going to argue that fact at all. I mean, even from the limited amount that she was on, like, paranormal state, mm-hmm. I'm going to go on the fact that they didn't tell her anything ahead of time. Right, you would To hope. have her come in and have her cool. say some of the stuff and find, you know, spots in the house that the families had gone back and forth through. I mean, you can say anything. Like, oh, well, they told her that. It's a TV show. Right, they but, know ahead of time. I mean, I just, from what I've read, from what I've seen from her, I really do feel like there's some legitimacy to at least that part of it. And I like the fact that her and Ed together, because Ed was always very much more like the skeptic, like the hard evidence. He wanted that. Like, right. You know, she was the more intuitive that kind of went by it. So I always liked the two of them together because I felt like it was a good balance. You know, we always talk about how you want that in your, mm-hmm. even your own group. Yep. You want the people that are always going to be believers and you want the people that aren't going to believe anything. So I think in that aspect, it lends yeah. a little bit more credibility to... You try to find your happy medium on it right. and debunk or take it apart and say, well, okay, you know... Uh, Allison, you felt this way about this, this, and this. Well, Rob came off going, no, 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 not at all. And then you could have me or somebody else being on the other side of the fence. And then you just have to take that information and process it and see what the best logical you know, way to go. Yeah, it's all very compelling. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there it is. But some stuff just doesn't make sense to me. So, like, let's take Annabelle, for example. So, we all know that the movie was very much... The movie was completely not right. what the actual story was. Right. Right. For... Now, actually, in the first Conjuring movie, when they kind of introduced her in the beginning, that, I think, was based on... Yeah, basically this, what you know, really girl got this happened. doll, she started treating it like a real person, <laughs> supposedly it was possessed by a spirit, you know, yep. so all this stuff. So, Lorraine now has this doll, she has Annabelle, in a glass case that supposedly has been sealed by priests and it you know, is all these on things lockdown. done. But she travels with it. Well, it's locked down in the case. <laughs> yeah. But this is what I don't get. If it's, it's like a birdcage. They put the, the little sheet okay, over it. So but what if somebody drops it? What if she gets into a car accident? Like, why would you take a risk? If something is seriously that serious of a potential to hurt or harm someone, why would you even take the risk to put it in a spot where people are going to come and take pictures standing next to it? Look at this. Allison pulling that one out. That makes sense. But you Absolutely. know what I'm saying? Like, that's what makes me, like, rethink this stuff and be like, okay. Yeah, you got people it's, like this posed up against the glass exactly case. Like, hey, <laughs> I'm with the doll. Because <laughs> exactly. as I was trying to research specific cases of theirs, I saw a YouTube video. And you know, it was just someone narrating, like, all their famous cases. And throughout the video, there was, like, a slideshow of all these pictures. And one of the ones they just kept repeating was somewhere where she had the Annabelle doll. And there was just different people, like, posing it and taking selfies with it. Yeah. Like, if I mean... This is like, if you read the actual story from Adelaide and Warren about Annabelle, they even talk about how the doll was sealed originally, and then a priest came, and the doll was already sealed. It was in the same room, and the doll levitated in the case. So they had to take it and redo whatever it was to seal, you know, everything in again. Like, why would you, why would you take the chance? Why would you put people at risk if you really think it's possessed by something? Like you're running in to get a cup of coffee... Someone sees it and it falls out, you know. You know what I mean? Somebody accidentally hits it with their elbow and it falls off the table and now the glass is shattered. And all shit is breaking loose. (laughs) Well, it does make a good point. Are you doing it for the money because you're going to get paid to bring that somewhere and charge a fee to see it? Or are you doing it because you're trying to raise it? Like, what's the point? Is there some type of awareness to this? Yeah. You know, there's real evil out in this world that, you know. It it just bothers me when you start to blur the lines between that kind of stuff. And it, and most people that we know of, and maybe not um, personally, but they collect haunted objects. They what is it? Binding is it? Mm-hmm. So these spirits are trapped where they're at. They keep them locked up pretty well, and it's not right. There's no traveling exhibit. There's no traveling. If you want to come see it, you're going to come in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, Bagans is up to this now. That's what his new gig is. He's got every object that he collects that have gone through the stories. He also has a museum now like that where you can go in there. I'm sure Zaphis loves that. Oh, he's probably, yeah. <laughs> They're probably buddies. Uh, speaking of Zaphis, he's got a new haunted collector's show up now again. Well, I mean, his museum is probably the most famous for yes. the number of haunted items that are in there and the bindings. And he's actually related to the Warrens. And I've also, so, right, right, exactly. I mean, you know, there's a whole tie in there too. And I know Ed and Lorraine have a bunch of stuff that they've collected over the years too. And... At one point, you know, if you dropped in and said, hey, or your friends, you know, you got to see this stuff, which I would be pretty impressed by. You know, I don't know if I'd be worried about getting attachments, but the the whole, um, yeah, I don't know if I would travel with that stuff outside of there. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of makes you Does it make you, do you think, do you actually think that it's a little hoaxy? Well, I just don't know why you take the risk. 
I don't. Would you? Well, do you drive, believe in this? Would you want to drive around with Annabelle in the back seat of your car? No, I'd put it in your car. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Though? I would have it in someone else's car. Like you're traveling, you know, you got to bring it to an exhibit. Would you want to put it in the car you're traveling in? You'd have to have some pretty good handlers, like the guys that handle the uh, Stanley Cup. Cup. Yeah, <laughs> you know, white gloves. That shit don't leave their sight. Nothing hap. Well, nothing happens in their eyes. But um, yeah, I, it, how strong's your faith? How strong? How strong do you believe in it? You know, you have the power over it, or it's it's. Well, about... I don't necessarily believe in it, but they claim that that's what it is. So that's where that's where the liability for me comes into it. So do you believe that the story is? Real or are you on the fence with it? No, I don't believe it's real. You don't believe the animal story is real? Mm-mm. No, not at all. Mm-mm. That sounds like you do. No, I don't know. I don't. I mean, it's crazy to think that to be real. Just so. Well, I know we might. Veer I have a, little... a haunted doll at my house. Okay, and what do you do? I say good night when I pass by, just Why? to make sure it keeps her happy. <laughs> but she's not bound up in a case. And she's never tried to moved? kill anybody. Didn't you say it's moved a couple my, of times? My, no, mine is not moved. Cheryl also has, another member of our group also has a haunted doll, and hers has moved on occasion. Uh, but I did a binding when I first got my doll, and she has a necklace that she wears that I made that has certain stones in it. I mean, it's on her. So I've never had any bad issues with her. So if you didn't do... Who knows? Binding. I might have. But so, why take a chance? Okay, okay. So then Annabelle, the doll, could be actually... But Aunt, my doll was never possessed by a demon. How do you know that? Because for sure. I don't the certificate said so. No. I don't believe in demons. Well, you don't believe in it, but it could have came from a place of darkness. Yeah, but I'm from a place of darkness. So maybe that's Darker than you. So well. <laughs> Something that would catch your eye. Yeah, I mean, if I when I first saw it, if I if it had freaked me out and I had felt uncomfortable, I would have never taken it home. I would have never ever done that. If somebody gave it to me and said, this doll tried to kill me and is possessed by a demon, I would have never touched it. So... This doll came from eBay. You want... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just ruined the story for because all the one people of our, out there. Well, this is the thing, is that one of our members of our ghost hunting group yep. decided he was going to do an experiment, and he went and purchased a bunch of supposedly haunted dolls off eBay... And he right. set them up and had cameras on them and had cameras record for 24 hours. He ran EVPs. He did all this stuff trying to see if like anything was actually going to happen. Nothing happened. He says that some weird stuff happened, but he never actually caught any evidence. So then he had to find a home for these dolls because his girlfriend was like, these dolls aren't staying in the house. So we actually went over there, a couple of us, and they were all laid out. And we kind of just went to who we thought we right. would be able to take home and adopt. So, so Cheryl has one. I have one. The Knickerbocker in Linesville, Pennsylvania, has the rest of them, including oh, Pinky. Has... The, uh, yeah, the the rejected ones. Yeah, we'll including say. Pinky, who is the scariest of them all, and I would have never taken Pinky home. The only one that actually has any kind of like, whoa, what's up with that doll? Yeah, her face is her face changes. It. Yeah, I got that yeah. on my Google page. It's yeah. my actual Google. If you like, anyway. So this guy had nothing happen. Nothing. Okay, but Cheryl gets the doll. Yeah. And she's had it move on occasion. Yeah, but she's had the doll for years now. He looked at it for 24 hours. Okay. So, that makes, okay, that brings it back. Yeah, I mean, she's had the doll. We've had them now for probably, I don't know, five or six years. And, and mine sits, yeah, mine sits on, sits on a bookshelf. Her name is Charlotte. Have you ever tried to piss off Charlotte? No. 
I, why would I want to? I gave Charlotte a good home because Charlotte had a hard life. Without provoking it. Yeah, I don't believe in provoking at all. To see if it would actually move or... No, I look at it like she's there to protect my house. And if you um, come in with ill intentions... I would never touch your doll. So what do you think Lorraine Warren would say if she came into your house and saw that doll? Charlotte. I'd be like, that poor child had a hard life. What? <laughs> Is that like The Boy? The movie but The Boy? you also yeah. have to understand oh, something. Like, I know what I'm doing when I bind something. The layman that goes and picks up something at a garage sale or at a Salvation Army wouldn't necessarily know or think what about precautions it. to take. Right. And like I said, if I had had an inkling, and I have some intuition, I believe, that if there was something bad about it, I would not have picked it up and taken it home. Okay, so she goes on the road with the doll. Right. That tries to kill people. But she knows what she's, <laughs> but she knows what she's doing. They've had all these cases where insane things have happened. So they supposedly built all this experience. So does that mean she's comfortable doing that? Probably. Well, she might be, but I worry about the risk to the public. Yeah, she thinks she's comfortable doing that. Right. I mean, she might very well be, but I would not want to be standing next to that thing. I would not want to be staring at it in the space. <laughs> you know, just because. And but nothing's it... happened since it's been Right, found so up. is there anything even to it? Well, wasn't there a story about some guy going to the museum while it was bound up and like mocking it and mimicking it? And, and he got scratched? Home, no, on his way home he kind of Three. crashed and died. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Didn't you? Did we? I've heard that story. I have not heard that story. Yeah, he was like at the museum and he was like mocking Annabelle. And on his way home from the museum, uh, I think he was with a girl or something and she told him not to mock it. They were on a motorcycle. Oh, now I do remember this story. He crashed. Yes. He died. Yep. She was fine. She like got up and pretty much like walked away. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. See, but that's that's irresponsible to me. Like the guy shouldn't have done that, but you also shouldn't have something for the public to interact with. If okay, it has so potential then, for that. Then you should act like the Vatican and keep everything hidden and mysterious. The case will come out and be done, and it goes away. Well. Not necessarily. Just don't put your demonic things out on display. Public display. <laughs> you can put a haunted phone. <laughs> you know, objects. You know that are harmless that aren't going to come out and lash out and try to kill you. Yeah. There's plenty so you're of those. saying nothing. Nothing demonic. The only thing demonic it can really attach to would be dolls. So what about like this haunted pieces of furniture or? Yeah, Have you ever heard of anyone being attacked by a chair? No, but we've always <laughs> or, or heard a phone, stories. Or a piano. It either plays or the chair rocks by itself. Right. Or. But see, I think those things are a lot more responsible to put on public viewing. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, if you really truly feel like there's a demon in that thing <laughs> so, that's just aching to get out, well, then there's we, a demon in that recliner. <laughs> there's two ways you can sit on this fence. <laughs> There's the, it's irresponsible, it's, it's haunted, mm -hmm. it is evil, mm -hmm. don't bring that shit out. Right. Or the other one is, eh, it's not really that haunted, it's just in a glass case, I can travel with it if it falls out, and I just, you know, I feel comfortable enough, you know, to do it that way. So there's two ways of looking at it. Or she's really good into what she does. She knows how to wrap that stuff up and well, boom. Well, she didn't, she didn't bind it. She so, didn't priest do it. 
So let's, let's well then she's comfortable with it. Let's see what, what do we think about some of their cases specifically? Like, do we think there's anything to these, or is there nothing? You want to go by them like one by one here? So, like, start with Amityville. We kind of already talked about it. Well, they... I really wanted to believe that Amityville was something, especially because I grew up on Long Island. This was like a case that was, you know, talked about all the time. Have you been there? To the house itself? Yeah. No. I've oh. been to Amityville a bunch of times. My dad used to work in Amityville. But you never went by the house just for a little. <laughs> no. By the way, it's up for sale again. Hmm. But, but anyway, but so. But hearing that story, that's like a true, that sounds like a true haunting. Like you it's want like that to be true. It's a house story. Right. It's got everything. It's got bees coming out of windows. <laughs> you know, it's got ghosts. It's got, you know, stuff that scares the bejesus out of you. But that's why I don't believe it because it's, it's too, too stereotypical, too crazy. Too over the edge. Especially knowing the backstory too now. Well, yeah, that really sucks. Yeah. I just think it was a family that went crazy. I don't think there's nothing haunted there. Could there be tormented souls there? Absolutely. Could you have had some ghost hunters and add Lorraine, Hans Holzer come in there and fire up the the ghost machine? Absolutely. But I don't think, you know, it really started out that way. So we're saying no to Amityville, collectively. No, no to Amityville. I, um, Yeah. I don't. I don't think you can say yes now that we know what we know. No, there's been. Yeah. Too you know, you're ruining this right. for all five people that listen to this show. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Gals. Well, there's more cases. There's more cases. All right. But, so um, Annabelle. Annabelle. Dude, we're taking too long on that thought. I don't believe in demons, so for me, it's. I mean, I believe that it could be but, bad energy. It could have been, you know. So you, yeah, then I gotta ask them because you say you don't believe in the demons, so you wouldn't believe in Annabelle. But then you said before that you wouldn't want to be standing near Annabelle taking pictures with it. Well, I wouldn't just because of the fact that there's been documented things that she's tried to do. Now, like I said, whether it's a demon or it's a negative okay. spirit, that's yeah, that's or that's it's. A, I don't thing. necessarily yeah. think it's like a little creepy demon hiding mm-hmm. in there, like I'm going to kill you. All right, you know. I mean, it, right. bad energy is bad energy. Bad juju. So it could be bad energy. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. The people that it affected could have been really hypersensitive to it, and it could have just been bad energy. It didn't necessarily have to be demonized. Right. I think that you get that because of Ed and Lorraine's religious beliefs and what they think, so everything comes through that filter. So in the end, it's a demon. That from that To them. To, to them. them. To that. Could be something else, but to, us, to somebody else change. who doesn't believe that that far down the logic line, I'm split on the whole Annabelle thing because there have been a lot of documented occurrences that have happened around that freaking doll that don't have to do just with Ed and Lorraine. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. It's hard for me to dismiss it when so many people have had yeah. things happen directly related to it. So we're like fifty-fifty on the Annabelle. Uh, we're in between. We're I'm leaning sixty forty that there's more to it than meets the eye, especially with all the different things that happen around this doll. I mean, like you said, it's yeah, Ed and Lorraine are one way, or any. And again, we're taking well-known people at this mm-hmm. point, so the public eye is going to be bigger. The stories that they listen that they put out there, people are going to listen to that and take it, just like you know. In quick example, today's shows, everything's a demon. Right. So that filter is, in the end, every, the dark energy is evil. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily mm-hmm. the case. It just might be a pissed off old guy. 
So with Ed and Lorraine, that's what their belief theory was. That's how the filter worked. We ended up listening to it and going, oh, it's evil. It's possessed. It's this. Well, yeah. Anytime but you start... take them out of the equation, you still have these other problems going on around this doll. That's what I struggle with because if you know the story, they basically invited, they opened up the door for something to pop in. Right. So when you think about it in that context without anything else being involved, is it possible? I have to say yes. Do I necessarily believe it 100%? No. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know what would sway me one way or the other because I don't want to be in a room with it. <laughs> so you just don't want to, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to take that chance. I'm, I'm going to sway at yeah. the... I'm uh, good knowing, not knowing. I'm thinking there's some... There, there probably has to be further yeah. digging into this because, you know, if it was just a one and done and they sealed it, everything's good. So should we talk about the Conjuring Two, the whole girl flying through the air, possession? Both Conjuring movies, really. Well, the first one is I don't think is popular as far as the story goes, right? Like no, most people it was aren't going to know. Not known, and there's still not a whole lot out there about it. But I think the family still claims that you know, for the most part, that's what happened. Were the Warrens involved in the haunting in Connecticut? Yes, they were. So they were even involved yeah. in that case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they reached out into a lot of different places. That's what I mean. Like, every single paranormal, poltergeist, demon-infested case, they seem to have a hand in somehow. I mean, even to go out and investigate the Borley Rectory, which we know now was a hoax. Yep. I mean, the woman came right out and said that she wrote the messages on the wall, that, you know, there were bells in the house that people would ring. It's like that Kentucky FX guy. Yep. I mean, to swear up and down that, you know, that is the most haunted house in England and that is true paranormal activity, especially after somebody comes around and says we faked it all. And what was the point of doing all of it? Just to do it? Yeah. Publicity. Money? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, especially back when the Warrens were at their peak of finding all these crazy cases, you got to look and see, like, what was going on. Like, The Exorcist was huge in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then the Amityville, when that whole thing happened, they made the movie about that. And the Edenfield, which is The Conjuring 2, was between 77 and 79, I believe. So what was the the first one based on? The first Conjuring? Yeah. That was the Perrin family in Rhode Island. So that was the farmhouse out in Rhode Island. The family, uh, husband and wife, they had like four or five daughters. In real life, they were actually in that house for a very long time, like many years. In the movie, it seemed like a lot shorter of a time span that you kind of, you know. That's Hollywood twisting it it up, too. But apparently, the mother got possessed. Um,. Demons or spirits would uh, torment the girls. They would like whisper to them and try and frighten them with fire because they knew the one girl was frightened, deathly afraid of fire. Well, they went after all their weak spots. Yeah. As yeah. most mm-hmm. demons do. And they believed it was the spirit of uh, someone who was accused of being a witch in her real life named something or other. Why is it always got to be about a witch? I know, I know. It's Why do you always got to defend a witch? It's in my nature. It's in your nature. All they had to do was put a horseshoe in the front of their house and they wouldn't have had any of these issues. Oh, and they would have been gone? Is it, is it we're going back to superstition yeah. now? No, but that's 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 a tough case to really, you know, judge one way or the other because there's not a whole lot out there to like actually research. 
aside well, from I think one of the daughters uh, wrote a book on it, but then you know it's it's coming from someone who's obviously not very objective about the whole thing. So you guys have seen Conjuring Two. I have not seen it yet. Um, no, I got you, scared. I mean, and that's what I was just going to say. So knowing the actual case, knowing the movie, is it similar? Is it completely Hollywoodified? Well, I had never even heard of the case until the movie. I have heard of the case, but I didn't know that much about it. I heard it through listening to different um, radio shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, there are some things in there that they added, definitely, because, you know, that wouldn't be Hollywood if they actually did a true story. Like a ghost nun in a basement? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. where did that come? Right off the wall. You know, it was part of her visions. But the story, I, you know, I'm leaning towards that's a pretty believable story. These these girls uh, start seeing things going on, the typical poltergeist. Stuff flying in the room, this going on, that going on. And, you know, it becomes to a point where it's affecting the whole family. Yeah, I mean, some of it is really, really interesting. But then there are a lot of claims of them faking it. Um, it's really cool if you do watch the movie uh, during the credits. They play actual uh, audio, audio from, from Ed's tapes. One of the incidents. Yep. And so that was, that was interesting. You know, that goes back to... This is the actual audio. Yeah. What was he do? He wasn't faking that stuff back then, I don't think. I don't know if the technology was even there. I mean, the girl would have had to been in on it. They would have had to... Layer it. Yeah. And it twist it up much. and slow it up, speed yeah. up the tape. I, I I tend to believe that that was a, a pretty true case myself. It's, it's a typical haunting case. I haven't done enough research to judge one way or the It other. is a poltergeist case... Mm-hmm happening right in front of you i mean like they said they had the two cops come in and they did signed affidavits they watched the chair go across the floor see and it's interesting that you just said that because i have some information about like what the five reasons why it was a hoax and one of the reasons is actually that eyewitnesses are notoriously unreliable witnesses in the england case included a policewoman who swore she saw a chair move across the floor right um but when they looked into the accounts of like the actual what they said, like what actually happened. It, if you look closely, you'll see it still bending. Like they're talking about all different things, and it just seems that it's not. People just bought into it because of the hysteria around it. Like people thought that they saw things. They were more apt to, you know, admit it because the the whole, you know, being wrapped up in the whole craziness of it. Like I have a hard time with the pictures. Well, that'd be the first. Okay. So let's just start. Let's the just start with that. First thing, if I was going to debunk it or take it apart, would be oh, that's just her jumping up off the bed. Someone caught the picture. Who's catching the picture? First off, is it one of the other someone kid? Another kid saying like, "Okay, you jump in the air now, and I'll take a picture when you're <laughs> jumping in the air." <laughs> okay, just wonder if I would have seen that. If you would have shown me that picture and not told me anything, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. No, you think of some kid jumping from one bed to another just in the air. Yeah, that would be the first thing I take apart. Especially because they've been able to recreate that photo throughout, like, so many different environments. Like, people have jumped up in the air and snapped a picture of it, and it looks identical. Because it's such an an easy thing to reproduce. If she was bent in a weird, you know... Typical. Weird pose that was, like, defying gravity. Right. 
You know, I mean, usually when you hear about possession, you hear there's about, some strange stuff going oh, on. Yeah. Your body's can't your body can't do when you're conscious yes. of you because it would being. hurt. It right. would be too painful. Like you can't bend your body right. that way. So I think it would have been so much more credible if that's what it looked like instead of just somebody jumping up in the air. Okay. So I think we have to all agree that we can't go by what the pictures show. No. no. I'd like to. Yeah. I'd like to know. I would like to think that that was a demon whipping a kid across the room. Well, yeah, but not my kid. I'm just saying a kid. But I mean, intent of this, you know, this whole. No, this whole there's case. also a lot of stuff in here about this um, old man Bill, who lived at the house, who yes. supposedly possessed Janet. Um, and this is a this is kind of an interesting point. I want to get your guys' take on this. So, when Janet was supposedly possessed by the spirit of an old man, he took a lot of interest in menstruation. That's not something you'd expect an old man to be interested in. But a young girl? Well, yes. There are so many question marks hanging over the case. So, if you listen to the audio tapes, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like a weird thing. Like, why would... I mean, if you're going to go through all the trouble to possess someone, why are you going to talk about those kinds of things? Well, we're tying, uh, we're tying this into a poltergeist case. And what's one of the... Classic symptoms of poltergeist with energy, menstruation. Well, yeah, because it's that change of life, but that doesn't mean you're going to talk about it. This woman had how many kids? Four kids, I believe. Four? I think so. Four kids. Husband left. Mm-hmm. She didn't know how to feed him. And the way the movie set now, this is the way the movie sets it up. She's been fighting for money from him, can't get it. They're trying to, she's trying to raise a family, feed the kids, and they show you in the beginning the stress that this woman is under. Just to make ends meet. I mean, the kid's eating biscuits every day. That's all he wants. But that's all she can afford. There's times she can't even in the way it's set up. So you're setting up you're setting up a classic case of a poltergeist right there in the sense of your anxiety, your stress, your level. Um, uh, you got two young girls, both at that age. So, yeah, you could definitely be setting up some, some high-tension stuff. You could be, but if you're an old man coming to possess a young girl, you're not going to talk about those types of things. Why why would you do that? And as a male, what do you even know about that? You don't. But (laughs) But I'm saying, but maybe it's tying in with... The fact of it actually being a poltergeist. Well, I think you have. It has nothing to to do with an interest in it. But if you look at the sign saying, "Okay, this is a poltergeist case." Well, what are some of these signs? Oh, menstruation. Well, this old man, Bill, wait a minute. What's Okay, it all kind of, it'll sit in the same cup, but not necessarily together. I mean, I think you'd have to really, like, listen to the actual audio if you could get a hold of it and find out, like, what the questioning was and, you know, what was actually right. said. Yeah, because it's funny. If you listen to the audio at the end of the movie, it's almost identical to what they had during the movie. It was pretty damn close. It was almost word for word they took it as something. I mean, we could take today's technology and make it what it is mm-hmm. today, but we I don't think we could do it the I other mean, way the around. the actual script of what the audio said, too, even. Like, word for word. Well, then, the they, then they're then they following that mm-hmm. to a T. Yeah. At least that part. So, I mean, I think for that one, what are we going to kind of... I think uh, it could happen. <clears throat> Definitely. I don't, know. I don't know enough about it. Don't watch the movie. Seeing the movie. Well, I don't want to ruin the end of the movie either for anyone who hasn't seen it, Allison. Well, again, like, but here's the thing. So there are key things that happen in almost every single case that Ed and Lorraine are involved in. There's some kind of poltergeist activity. Somebody gets possessed. There are things moving all around. Chairs getting stacked in weird ways. Drawers flying open. Things flying out. Um... 
there's some kind of stress going on within the family. You know, like every single family's got something happen. Nobody's happy. Nobody's like, oh, yeah, everything was great. And all of a sudden we woke up and everything was shit. So, and then you've also got some kind of exorcism that needs to happen. So all of their cases have the same key components in it. And it never deviates. I researched a little lesser-known one, and all those points you hit... Really? Kind of went along Well, let's talk about that. What, what, do you, what do you got over there? But you gave the classic signs of a poltergeist and what happens with possessions. Yeah, but whose signs are those? <laughs> but when we go back and look through different cases of poltergeists mm-hmm. and occurrences like that, that is a common theme. That's how we've come to know what it is. That's yeah, how we did our study on learning about this stuff. Outside of the Warrens, what poltergeist cases do you have to look at? That's a good question. So, of course, they're all going to have the same components. They're researched by the same people. If you had other poltergeist cases that were well-known, that were documented by other people, it would be interesting to compare and contrast. But every just, well-known case we have comes from the Warrens. Just, just for all the Parababble listeners out there, I set Allison up for that question to, to make it work. <laughs> um, I knew the answer, but I just wanted to, you know, you know serve carrying, it up. Jeff is trying to carry the flag. <laughs> I just served it up for her, and I laid it out there for you guys, which, you know. But So, um, Rob, what do you got? Who is this infamous unknown case? The Smurl family. Is this going to be their next movie? Is this The Conjuring 3? That's what I was thinking when I was reading this. I was like, I wonder if this they is are working one. on A Conjuring 3. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Just they saying. are. With all the money that was made. So it's the Smurl family. Smurl. It had happened between 1974 all the way to 1987. This is the time frame that the family lived in this house. Then they were tormented. So again, we started in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, it was Jack and Janet Smurl. They're married. They had two daughters. Eventually, they would have four. Um, but after they moved in. And Jack's parents, they also moved into this big duplex in West Pittson, Pennsylvania. Oh, boy. PA. Yep. So, activity began during renovations of the home. Uh, tools would disappear and reappear in strange places. Stains seeped through fresh painted walls. And appliance would even would even start to catch fire, even if they were unplugged. Let's see then what happened here. Um, little things like uh, Mary, who was Jack's mother, and uh, Janet, the wife, would begin to hear voices that sounded like each other. Janet would hear Mary call her name. Well, Mary would hear uh, Jack and Janet argue with each other, and it would be like very heated, like full of expletives and swearing and nasty things. Okay, so we got this going on in the house. Yes, or maybe they were really arguing. Who knows? <laughs> and then they would start to see black masses start to form around the house. Just everywhere. It's black masses. Uh, one night while in bed, Jack heard a young woman whispering. When he looked over to Janet, he saw a shadowy figure run by her leg. Janet claims to have been lifted off the ground six feet in the air and then thrown across the room at one point. Very uh, demony, right? We got pictures? Nope. So even their neighbors reported hearing screams coming from the home, even when the the Smurls were not there. Uh, They would also experience really bad random orders throughout the home. Jack was assaulted on several occasions, and then eventually the Warrens were called in. So this is where the Warrens come in. And after inspecting the home, Lorraine said there were four spirits in the house. There was a harmless elderly woman, 
a young but violent girl, a man who suffered and died in the home, and... A demon. How'd you know? (laughs) (laughs) The demon who was using the other three spirits to help it destroy the family. So, in order to get rid of this demon, Ed tried to make it leave by playing religious music and praying. He also, Ed also claimed to see those dark masses form in the home. And, uh, according to Ed, the demon left a message on a mirror at one point that said, get out. So he pissed him off. Yeah. Uh, Ed claimed to have audio tapes of knocking and rapping coming from the demon. Uh, but then, it, this is around the point where, like, the media came in and it just became a mess. Uh, they've started to pressure him into uh, releasing those tapes, and he said that even though he had them, the Catholic Church was in possession of the tapes. So when the media went to the Catholic Church, they completely denied ever having any of them. Yeah, so, they don't want to get their hands. They, would. they don't want to get their hands involved. Yeah. So the media circus fluttered around the family. They appeared on TV shows, uh, news articles, you name it. People would camp out in front of their lawn in hopes of seeing something crazy. A book was published about what was going on with them in 1986. And then a TV movie was made in 1990 about their case. Uh, In 1987, the family moved and said that the activity actually followed them to the next place that they moved. Until an official exorcism was done by the church in 1989. And that's the last known time I have from them. What was the movie? The movie was a TV movie called The Haunted... In 1990. No. Okay, so we have our... It's made for TV. So there's some criticisms, too, about the family and the Warrens themselves. Paul Kurtz, who was a philosophy philosophy professor at UB on the Committee of the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal. I want to be on that committee. I know, me yeah. too. It's right in local. UB. I know. Do they still have it? I don't know. I Can look we into find that. out? Yeah, I gotta look into it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. So he says that the Warrens were not subjective, and the Smurls' claims were caused by delusions, hallucinations, or brain impairments. Uh, Jack Smurl told a reporter that he had surgery in 1983 to remove water from his brain that was due to a case of meningitis in his youth. Another guy who's local that was involved in this... Uh, you guys might recognize this name, Professor Alphonse Trebold. Oh, yeah. St. Bonaventure. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. He also believed that there were less demonic explanations for what was going on in this really? case. Really? Yep. That's surprising. Yeah. Because so he, he was like a big supporter of yeah. all that crazy he kind of talk. And he took it the other way. Yeah. So that's that. Um, okay. You got me thinking here for a minute, Allison. That outside of this poltergeist stuff and cases, who's a name, you know, the only name attached to them. And every story seems to have that thing. You know, every, Mm -hmm. that timeline is always the same. There's always the same, there's always the same pieces, you know, in this puzzle. Yeah, like, um, there's a book called The Demonologist. It's the extraordinary career of Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, if anybody wants to check it out and read it. And it chronicles some of their, you know, different cases. Um, But there's a case in here about the Donovans. And it is almost exactly like what's happening. The only difference is is that instead of a doll being possessed, um, the family, there's a daughter, (laughs) big shock, who was very interested in, in the occult and things of that nature. So for Christmas one year, her parents buy her a book on how to conjure 
demons. Hmm. Sounds like a good thing to do. Yeah, hmm. and she does some of the rituals. And that's why they think this whole, you know, kind of activity started. But I'm just going to show you guys, because obviously, you know, you guys can see this. Um, our listeners can't. But if you want to take a look at some of the pictures that are in here from the Donovan case, it shows the exact same kind of things that seem to be indicative of all the other cases. I see a bunch of furniture on the ground. Yeah, like weird <laughs> things, like lamps, like in curtains. You know, like that is weird. They leave the house and they come back, and it looks like you know chairs piled on top of each other. And it actually says furniture levitating during a demonic rampage in the basement recreation room. But there's no movement in this picture. No. Right, so still a shot. Right. Um, there's a picture of a chair, two chairs on top of a couch, and the couch cushions ripped off, and it says, like, when this picture was taken, the recreation room sofa cushions had just dematerialized. Uh, a few hours later, they were found in a closet. Hmm. So, like, really, but there's no picture of them in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, wouldn't you think that, you know... Um, there's a picture of a door that's like flung down a set of stairs and it says in Lorraine Warren's presence, Brian Donovan, who was the father, um, his bedroom door dematerialized. They were later found in the cellar stairs as <laughs> photographed. These dematerializations would happen in absolute silence. Physical objects would simply be there one minute and gone the next. Here the shoes on the floor had been in storage um, and for some reason were placed in you know, this walking position. So it's very, it's very peculiar. And I think that, you know, it's hard to say whether or not this stuff is legit or not just because of the fact that there's so many similarities. So it's almost like, was something following the Warrens around that kept leading them to certain places? That's a good question. I mean, were the Warrens really the center for all of this activity? Although a lot of these cases went on for years before they were even involved in them. Supposedly. I mean, and who knows what... It's just odd, because it seems like when they come in, that's when shit really hits the fan. Well, when maybe there's in, maybe there's a, a, a button in there that they push, well, exactly. and they know. I mean, who knows? I don't really know what to think about it. I, uh... I want to... I mean, you're getting called into these cases because you're now a recognized public figure to this. Right. This is your... So, you're an expert. You're the expert. Who else are they going to call? You are going in because these people need your help. Right. So every case they do, it's not going to be because, oh, I heard a bump or a bang or, you know, the, the curtain ruffled. There's shit getting thrown around. They're, that's the cases that they're going to be called into. Right. So every one of their cases are, are going to look probably similar. But why doesn't this continue to happen? That's the question. We don't know. It's a very compelling one. <laughs> I mean, it really seems to, like, after, like, the mid to late 80s, this type of activity seems to disappear. You don't have another documented case of poltergeist happening. No, it's funny, because, like, you look at the 70s with the horror movies, The Exorcist, The mm-hmm. Amityville Horror. The 80s comes along, those kind of movies are gone, you know, you get, like, the slasher movies. When so did... it kind of goes away. Then in the 90s, you don't hear any kind of paranormal cases like that. Then, you know, maybe 10 years ago, things start coming back. All the ghost hunting shows. When did Ed pass? Uh, I don't know offhand. Yeah, I want to say it was. I think it was later than that. I want to say it was like maybe early nineties, early to mid nineties. Because he retired out. It was early two thousands. I'm going to look it up right now, just so we have the exact date. 
like 2003, 2004 maybe? Something around there. Um, he actually died in 2006. 2006. Yep. But according to the stories, you know, she wanted him to stop. It was getting to be too much. Uh, yeah, the the phenomenon why it went away. But that's where, just, I mean, so he died in 2006. So what all are the, the rest of the cases? They stopped. When did he retire? That's the question. That was, or did he? Did he ever retire? Did he just keep going? Well, she was worried for his safety because she started getting some bad visions, according to the movie. According to the movies. According to the movie. Now, how far in depth the books go with the stories, that's a different, that's a different issue because, you know, that's their testimony to what happened. But he lived a pretty long life. I mean, I think he was in his 80s when he died. Right. Maybe he just dropped off and said, I'm done. And with it, it went back to who else would you be calling at this point? You know, but they made such a public name for themselves. You know, they went to colleges. They were on a, a circuit. They went and did TV shows, you know, standing up and they got persecuted for a lot of that stuff. But mm-hmm. in the same right, they were getting pulled into these big cases that we know of today. So that, I mean, that's how it kind of balances out. You know, you take that good and the bad. All right. Yeah. You're going to get every case that's a poltergeist, chairs, everything getting thrown around. But on the other foot, you kind of asked for it, too, because you put yourself out there. You wanted the truth out there. This is actually going on where people didn't want to hear it at that time in the 70s and then the 80s. And then they just, you know, if that movie is true to fact, maybe they just he retired out of it. So. Um, I'm having some difficulty finding like the actual like retirement. Time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he started. They started to get a lot of criticism from people. Yeah. Um, and then when that happens, they seem to kind of stop doing so many active investigations. Or they, like you said, Rob, they went underground. They they kept a low profile. In the '90s, there's like nothing. No. Not until Ghost Hunters came out in the mid 2000s did things pick up again. Well, there comes the search. Yeah. You know. And at that point, Lorraine was getting pulled right into showing yeah. up on Paranormal State. Yeah. Which makes sense. So. So I don't know. What do we think? I don't know. It's kind of like just one of those things. You just can't really know either way. I think there's a lot. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of truth to what they did. Because we have seen activity we have seen things that are a little darker at times, and we know that it's there. But, but to what extent? Much, yeah. Right, that's what you just read my mind. To what extent? I mean, how are these two people privileged? I don't want to say privileged. Is that the right word? You know, to see all of this stuff and get called into all of this stuff. I mean, I, if I can give them the benefit of the doubt that they may have gotten some, because especially as they got more famous... Well, like you're talking like Amityville and stuff like that. That's know? that's big stuff. Yeah, that's part of our history these days when it comes into the so, field. And I, I don't know. I think that's that's about. We've exhausted the uh, the Warren's case files here. I mean, I think like anything else that has to do with this field, you have to give credit where credit is due. If it wasn't for the the Warrens, if it wasn't for you know all the way back, right? I mean, would we still be right where we are right now? You know, I think that at the very least, the cases 
spark your imagination, right? Mm-hmm. They want you to, at least for me, like I want to figure it out. I want to dive deeper. Like I want that. I want to experience right. that kind of phenomenon sometime in my life. Just because I think that's what all ghost hunters, you know, it's the holy grail. That's what right. we're all looking for. So the frustrating part for me is that it seemed to happen to them all the time. <laughs> we yeah. can't get it to happen at all. I mean, did, uh, <laughs> were they the chosen ones, so to speak, right. when they came I to mean, this? You know, is it something that... And like I just said, when they retired or they went away and they got too old for this, and because you got to figure, that takes a lot of energy too. Mm-hmm. They had to stop. Well, they who was, who Tony... Was, they say that um, I was just on the New okay. England Paranormal Society page yes. that they founded, um, and there, there's a whole thing on there about passing the torch, and it talks about how they, you know, Ed is a self-taught demonologist, then passed that information to John Zappas, um, as well as Tony Spera. So Tony Spera is now the one that you're supposed to contact through, you know, W E I mean N E you know S P A whatever they're New right, England Paranormal right. Society. His email is right on that thing. So, okay, there's still a person. Where are all the cases? Thank you. <laughs> That's where I was going to head next. Where are these cases? I mean, maybe the Ed and Lorraine explosion happened at such a time that it needed to happen. It was nothing anyone's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. But, like you said earlier in this conversation, we got all this technology. We have the YouTubes, the, the videos, camera phones. We can record someone breathing at this point. Where is it? What, where are these cases? Did did they all just dry up and just go away when the torch was handed over? Or, you know, did they actually go to these cases, which they obviously did, and this is their their filtered version of what happened? That's a, It's tough. I don't want to disbelieve them. Absolutely not. Because we're in this field looking and they bring some pretty strong points to the table mm-hmm. saying, Hey, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. And there's that part of that ghost hunter part of me that wants to believe right. it. Right. But you got to, and the other part of that ghost hunter part investigator is you have to put the skeptic card out there and right. take it apart. It's crap. <laughs> you have to take it apart. <laughs> so you're saying it's crap. What's crap? All of it. I don't know, not, maybe not necessarily all of it. I'm going 80-20, it. it's real. 80-20, it's real. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going 55-45. <laughs> I'm just going to go 20-80, it's not real. There's the skeptic <laughs> working hard. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I want to believe it, but it, I think as more and more stories come out about things that actually took place or, you know, people step forward and say things, it becomes harder and harder to really believe it 100%. So let's go Let's go one step. I mean, we got some time here. I know we're, no, we're, almost, we're way over time. We got a limit. <laughs> we don't really have a limit. People oh. have gone to the fridge and gotten a snack at this point. <laughs> uh, people are sleeping with their, their phone <laughs> the on their chest. The probably going to shut us down automatically. <laughs> Real quick. So. So Hans Holzer, he's done how many books in oh God, hundreds, yeah. hundreds. He's in the hundreds. He's gone to like all kinds of cases. Where's his demonology cases? Where's, where's the big cases on him where it's, why doesn't he have the notoriety that these two have? Well, I think he does in certain cases. Like he was part of Amityville. I mean, right. There's certain things that he was a part of, but his style was different. He wasn't necessarily he rolling was around in the mud. With, 
He was scientific. Yeah. Ooh, demons. I mean, he. If you read his books, it's all about how he would go to a location, do the research, go find a medium, not tell them crap, bring them in, have them do a séance, have them do a visitation. And they would do. He would have his own he, experiences he there would too. Compare the, his notes and what he knew with whatever that person brought up. And that was a big part of how he did his investigation. But he's never had anything that bad happen to nope. what these guys have had happen to nope. Ed and Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Nope. Interesting. So is it what you go looking for is what you're going to get? I don't know, but now I want to do a whole show just on Holzer. I do too. Because I want Let's to find out like what his religious we beliefs should. were. I got enough books on Holzer. Yeah. I read a lot of them. In two weeks, the next episode will be... Cases of Hans Holzer. <laughs> Case file, Holzer. <laughs> And then her daughter will step in. His daughter will step in. Yeah, maybe we could us. reach out to her and get her feeling on. I've tried to reach out to her. No luck. Who knows? I said do some cases up here in the New York State area. But it yeah. might it might be worthwhile to look into. Because, I mean, I know him for, like, the father of modern-day ghost hunting. That's how I've always looked at him. But to, like, really delve into a, more of why he did what he did, I have never done that. A lot of the stuff that I have read, I have about four books at home. It is very... I want to say straight ahead. Yeah, it's dry. You know, there's a knock on the wall. There's a bing. Um, oh, I saw a light move. Nothing tips the scale. Not like where Ed and Lorraine are It sounds more realistic. It sounds more like something we might we encounter. We do, right. You know, oh, I thought I saw a shadow. Oh, I saw, oh, I heard that walk across the floor. That's more the level what we play at. These guys were playing at a whole different level. So, mm-hmm. But Holzer, that's more of the storyline that I've felt. Now, have I read his other 98 books? No. Well, but I'm, what you're going to have to do now is go read those other 98 books <laughs> and be prepared for the next episode when we do one just about Hans Holzer. I think That's we should. Right. But all right. So if you guys want to reach out to us, you can get us a Parababble at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook um, uh, at gmail.com. We there appreciate it is. you listening. Absolutely. We Every one say, of you we guys. We don't say it enough, but we really do. I mean, and, we do this show... All right, I'm not. I'm going to be real. We would do it if nobody listened because we like it. But we're glad that people actually listen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we started this as a fun little thing to do, and uh, I think it's been moving along. I know not everybody's going to agree with us. I mean, there's probably people out there going, "Ah, oh, these guys are assholes. They can't even stay on topic." But that's what we do. We don't stay on topic. We talk. We this, you know what? This would be like us sitting around at a party having a couple drinks and we start telling ghost stories and talking about stuff. Well, that's, that's the way happened. we always wanted the, the show right. to be. There's no real... There, yeah, we have a topic, but yeah. there's no real super structure mm-hmm. to it. And Almost. that's... Yeah. If you get that in if you get that in your head, you'll be good listening to our show. Yeah, because what you get through the show is who we are. We're the yeah. same way. There yeah. more people listening to this one because this is our super special Halloween Super episode. special. Right. Super sized, too. Like probably like when we cut cut out of here, we'll be talking about like Rob Zombie or something. Yeah, you know, we'll go to music. We won't even do. But. So I'm just gonna say that the power of Christ compels you to listen to Parababble. It is very compelling. <laughs> I got nothing. Do you feel compelled? I'm going to. <laughs> I'm actually gonna go home and watch The Conjuring Two again. Special compelling episode. All right, well, we're gonna sign off for now. All right, we will catch you guys uh, next time. Thanks for listening.